You're listening to What She Said with Candace Sampson, a podcast for Canadian women about Canadian women. A mansplaining free zone, What She Said is here to empower, educate, and entertain you. Claire Kumar is a bright, happy light in a very cold world, both literally and figuratively right now. Claire loves inspiring massive shifts by inviting people to pay attention to little things that can make a big difference in their life. In this podcast, Claire shares her productivity CPR and her eight productivity table stakes with all of us. And before you run away screaming, we are not propping up hustle culture, but rather sharing an exercise in intention, slowing down, and embracing the joy of missing out. Over the next half hour or so, Claire and I explore playing offense in your life that starts with a simple question you can ask yourself daily. Are you spiraling up or down? Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Thanks, Candice. I'm just thrilled to be spending some time with you. I'm really, um, I am fascinated by the subject of burnout, um, particularly in light of everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um it's 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 endemic. We we it's everywhere. As much as this virus is, I think burnout is everywhere. We're all sort of feeling it. And where do we put our attention? How do we maintain productivity when we're so stressed? So I'm I'm excited to get into this conversation. So um could you just tell people a little bit about your background though before we jump into sort of some management tools? Sure, sure I can. So I've been uh, someone who started their career in the corporate world uh, for about 15 years and saw a lot of people burning out there. And myself, even, I was in a construct where I had two small children and invited to travel downtown to, to, to work, you know, an hour commute each way. And I got exhausted in the construct of working in a corporate environment. So for the past 15 or so years, I've been an entrepreneur. I had to really get out of the corporate world. And I dove in for quite a long time to be in the residential space, helping people organize. At the same time, I was kept my hand in the in the productivity space. And now really, I've, I've started to focus on productivity and working with professionals and how really they can hold on to their energy and sustain their performance in light of that challenge that I kind of ran away from before and bringing all of this sort of knowledge and passion about working with people to curate their environment and their own well-being so that they can really continue to give because it's in the giving that we receive and all be able to sculpt fulfilling lives. And I think we all deserve those. Okay, so when I think about productivity, prior to the pandemic, I always thought about it as relate as it relates to work. Mm -hmm. But when my employment moved into my home, mm -hmm. and suddenly, you know, work was there and managing my children's lives and, you know, managed maintaining a household, it all sort of intertwined together. And I would find that I didn't know how to manage it as a whole. And it just became completely overwhelming because it, well, I may have been killing it in one area, I was dropping balls in another. And so let's address that because I think that's what a lot of people are feeling is that management of all of the aspects of our life and, mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, how are we kinder to ourselves, gentler to ourselves in managing those roles? 
Yeah, I think one of the big opportunities is really to step away from FOMO, the fear of missing out, whether it be opportunities for ourselves, our kids, our pets, whatever, and really step into the joy of missing out. And to practically think about that, that means getting really clear on what are the important things with which you need to engage. What are the important elements that need to be attended to? And what can you let go of? Because we're being asked to do more and more. And certainly in the past couple of years, doing anything has been more time consuming, more complex. The rules have been changing. We kind of need to go out or or engage in any new software tool or experience with a okay, this is going to be interesting. I need to give it time, space, and I need to see how it works. I mean, just joining you today was a new tool for me and just learning how does this work and and I'm not being able to get the camera working. There's, boy, is there a lot of complexity in our world right now. And so the more we can come down to what's really important and really let go of what's not, the better off we'll be. And I think that's that's the hard thing is defining what's important. So just Mm -hmm. an example I can think of in my head is, you know, right now I'm in my workday, I'm speaking with you. But if I get up to go to the washroom, I might walk past, you know, dishes on the counter or a towel dropped on the floor, and I'm stopped. And now I'm pulled into my other role. Uh, So creating boundaries is, I find difficult. How do you help people um, create those boundaries and, and any tips for for making them stick? Oh, I love the question. First of all, it's to notice where you need a boundary. So all of a sudden, where's some tension coming up where you're feeling that tug of war? Oh, I need to be at work. Oh, I need to be at home. Where are those moments and what's triggering that? That's likely an indication where you need some structure in in terms of how you manage your time or potentially a physical boundary. Boundaries can look different in different ways. And so first of all, it's identifying where you need one. Then it's figuring out what kind of boundary will be effective. Is it, I just need to put a screen over the laundry room so I don't need to look at it. And then I stop that visual cue from having the conversation with me that I I should attend to that right now. Or is it something like communicating with other people in your workspace or home workspace? You know what? I'm recording now. I'll need this kind of level of respect and noise. I mean, I'm really happy the tree mulchers outside now have decided to stop because... (laughs) You know, some things we can control and some things we can't. But when we're when we're setting boundaries, uh, I think one of the big opportunities beyond identifying it and articulating what it is, is then communicating it and figuring out, I, I call it playing graceful defense. So it's expressing your needs while keeping everybody else whole in the process. And I think if we can practice and refine language so that we can do that, we can often have a lot more success with achieving what we want and also minimizing any shame that can come out or guilt or feeling badly about unleashing in a moment of stress and slamming a door and saying, everybody out, because we've figured out and we're moving on a journey to find better ways to express ourselves all the time. And I'm saying this because I live it all the time. This is a personal journey I'm on. My mom used to say my mind-mouth connection was very, very fast. And so I've been working on slowing it because I realized the effect to me whenever I kind of let something out quickly was I carried around one of those negative conversations we can have with ourselves, um, which brings us down. I read something the other day, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. 
I read uh, a quote, and I, I'm paraphrasing entirely, but it was something along the lines of perfectionism is just another form of procrastination. Do you agree with that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. So I do think it's good to have standards to aim for. But I will say when we're under time pressure, space pressure, and we've realized we need to get something done, we might need to look at what those standards are. So for example, dress code these days, right? Um, I mean, we only need to really look good at the top if we're on video. We can we can let go of really thinking about 50% of what we look like. Makeup, hair, I, I think there's so much we can look at and say, what's good enough? Um, what's good enough for how I show up? And can I put the bar there so I can take some pressure off? So perfectionism, especially I notice it uh, amongst conscientious people, highly sensitive people. I'm one of those people who really want to do a great job. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to show up. So there's a wonderful opportunity in looking for what could I do less of and be as effective and, and make this maybe more enjoyable. Okay, so let's let's talk about burnout then. Let's just dive into burnout because I think that, that that's what everybody is is feeling, mm-hmm. whether personally or professionally. Uh, we're all feeling a little burnt out. So um, you say that there's only two options: it's burnout or opt out. Well, Correct. sadly, there's a sadly there's sometimes a third option, and I I talked about this recently in a keynote because it's this happened to my father. He was he tried to, he was a surgeon. Um, and he was burning out and he tried to change the system. And so I think, so while you might recognize burnout, before you opt out, you can try and influence the environment that you're working, the system that you're working in, a toxic boss that you might be working for, for example. I, I, I really encourage people to try and influence, but when they can't influence, then opting out is a really healthy option because the third alternative checking out is not something you want to do. And so fortunately, that's what I saw happen with my dad. There was, you you know, the the challenge around staying in a toxic situation is we can internalize the stress. We can negate the emotions that we're feeling. We can tell ourselves, I'm just going to suck it up and grit and hustle and push through. But if you read Gabor Mbate's book, When the Body Says No, we can only take so much before it shows up in ways that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, I think hustle culture has been so damaging to our society, particularly to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that whole boss babe and go get it. Uh, it's 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 awful, and I've been victim to it myself. I've played right into the into that narrative, um, and the damage it's caused to me has been profound. So I really think that hustle culture is dangerous. Um, And so I want to talk to you about your productivity CPR, Mm. um, because I think that that sort of helps push people towards more balance, um, not just in work, but in every aspect of their life. Yeah, happy to share a bit. And it's interesting, the word balance, because I think that's, it's a temporary fleeting state. So I often talk about aiming for successful work and life integration, and I'm bringing my hands together. So my fingers intertwine so that there's, there's this not a sense of everything has to be equal in equal measure and attended to in specific doses and 50 50 is what you're aiming for. It's really navigating 
as we go through time to assess for capability, assess for capacity before we take on our commitments. So coming back to CPR, the model is one very holistic. It talks about you as a human being um, to, to become burnout proof, essentially. And C, P, and R stand for compass, performance, and rituals. And it's really holistically talking about setting intention. So that's compass. What direction am I going in? Performance. It's about managing attention to say, how do I bring my energy and attention to those intentions? Those things I said were really important. And then R is for rituals. How do I optimize my execution now so that I can get the things done that I want to? And the whole premise behind this whole thing is that I believe we all deserve fulfilling lives. And fulfilling lives come from being able to continually give of ourselves in service of others. So in the giving is in the getting. And all of a sudden, if we look at becoming burnout proof and sustaining our ability to give, man, we've sculpted and created a really rich life. Okay, with all of that being said then, how do we get clear on our priorities? Because I like what you say about the compass, for example, you know, which direction are you going? And it's easy for me to say, well, you know, I can I can lighten up a little. I don't have to hustle as much. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'll see this really fabulous sofa I want. And all of a sudden, my compass gets a little you know, off of its original direction. Um, So how do we really get comfortable with those priorities, the joy of missing out, which by the way, it's the first time I've ever heard that and I really love it. Um, How do we get comfortable and establish those priorities so that we're able to stick with them? Amazing question. And there's, there's a really key component to self-awareness here around what your values are. This has to be values-driven. And some reflection, uh, I have actually, I put an ebook together, the Lifetime Management Playbook, I call it. And it's, it's really a two-hour exercise to guide you through contemplating what's important to you, articulating those values. Uh, So thinking about narrowing it down to five to 10 words that you want to make sure show up in your life, both personally and professionally. So for example, some of my words are to be bold, speak my truth, show up honestly and authentically, be compassionate, show up with love, be clever, like give me a good wordplay. I need to have that in my life for sure. Um, so I, you know, five to ten words that really anchor the way you want to show up and contribute, and the way you want to be in the world. It's valued states of being. So I want to feel those things, and to feel those things, how do I want to show up? So, for example, professionally, if I'm asked to speak in an event, I'll be thinking and measuring: is this in or is this out? Based on Does this support how I want to feel and how I want to show up in my life? And so when you're clear from a values perspective on what's what's driving you, it's so much easier to let go of things and say, oh, that's for somebody else. That's fine. Or maybe I can do that later. Maybe it doesn't fit in right now. And we can, we're just really armed with what fits in my space or what fits in my calendar and what also fits in my emotional state. We can really, we can really start to curate all three of those things 
and really play, stay in that place of strength and confidence, let go of longing in that way. And, uh, you know, and, and be accepting of what is showing up for us as well. I'm curious, you've been doing this for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious of, of your thoughts on social media and its effect on people, uh, in maintaining their sense of self, uh, their priorities, you know, that fear of missing out, um, you know, we've all seen the the images of the perfectly curated homes. Well, you know, we're sitting in our home that has, you know, spit stains on things and throw up from babies and all that stuff. So how much so how much does social media play into this? And and when you work with people, do you talk about that a lot? Oh, that's a great question. It's come up sometimes. Um but uh not a lot, honestly. I think it's, it's social media is a wonderful tool. It's wonderful in terms of being able to stay connected with people. For example, my family in India, I get to keep up with what they're up, up to. I've been able to speak to them because of some of the, uh, the technology that's available. But it also can make us feel incredibly less than because a lot mm -hmm. of times when we're watching something, I, I watched a fellow speaker and thought creator this morning and I was so inspired by what she was sharing. And there's always a little bit of, oh, I should be doing some of that. I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. So I think with anything you're choosing to let into your life, you want to be sure how it's serving you. And you want to be thoughtful about how you consume it. The same thing with news. I mean, I don't know who wasn't glued to their TV or internet or whatever news source you had when, when we first entered the pandemic to understand what was just what was going on. But I've come to terms with daily doses of that kind of perspective, probably not great for my psyche. So how do I dip in and dip out? And how do I intentionally want to use it? I think intention is a beautiful word to think about. Um, it was my word of the year last year. So it was a guiding principle to say, with this medium or with this piece of time or with this room, what do I want to accomplish here? And how do I want to feel? And then what does that look like in terms of my commitment to it, my engagement with it? So, so far in this podcast, the things that are sticking out for me is that intention mm -hmm. is huge. Uh, embracing the joy of missing out. And I really liked what you just said about dipping in and dipping out. I think that is, that's great. That's great advice um, for, for anything to do that's going to draw you away from what your intention is. So, so that's fabulous. And so let's talk mm -hmm. about um, your productivity table stakes. Sure, sure. Just one last thought on the, the intention piece. It's, um, it's so important that once we've clarified what's important to us, personally, then we can put a boundary professionally. So I, I, I know the blurred boundary issue has been rampant, especially with people now working from home and that integration is happening or there's an erosion. And I think I, I'm working with a, a few clients now and the objective is to get so clear on what they want personally that they can say, oh, actually 5.30 is my uh, my time with my, my partner. We actually go for a walk. Don't even have to explain it. What you have to have though is such clarity around the personal intent you can then contain the work so you don't let it erode 
your personal time. And that's something to fiercely protect. So yes, and, and, and part of what we need to protect are the productivity table stakes. So this is all around elements that you need to understand your relationship to to really sustain your attention. And there are eight of them. I'll, I'll give you the eight and then I'll sort of suggest how they're inter- interrelated and how to think about them. Um, at the top of the diagram, I basically, I have a jewel stone with eight um, sections on it, which is an eight is also the, the sides to a poker table. So the analogy is you need to know, of course, your relationship to each eight of these to play your best hand. The first one being mindset. And it's so important that we take care of the way we're thinking about things, our emotional health, our mental health. If we let that spiral down, that can be very, very difficult to come out of. So I really invite everyone to do a daily check-in in the morning to say, how am I doing today? And what might I need to do to lift myself, to reclaim my mojo, to make sure I'm going to spiral up today instead of spiraling down? We know anxiety and depression are rampant now. And that simple thing to say, oh, hey, Candice, how am I doing this morning? What, where am I? And am I going to go up today? And I have a song I play when I get up that if I'm feeling in a winter funk, <laughs> winter's really tough for me, I play it and I cannot be feeling down with that music on. So figure out what your mojo lifters are and well we need to up. we need to know. We oh, need to know what that song oh, is. For me it's Blamage living on the ceiling. So it's like <laughs> you cannot be All down right. if you're living on the ceiling, right? <laughs> yeah. It's got amazing rhythm and it's got tabla in it, which my dad used to play. So there's this connection to the music, which is music is super powerful. My friend Jennifer Buchanan's just wrote uh, a book about the how the playlist, well played, how the playlist is something that you can infuse into your life as a power tool. So that's mindset. The next thing, protect your sleep. Protect your rest. Know what I call is your sleep number and make sure you're getting enough hours of sleep within a 24-hour period so that you can wake feeling rested without an alarm. So the number of hours you need in in a 24-hour period to wake feeling rested without an alarm. And if your night might be interrupted by an illness, um, by a snoring partner, by a pet, by um, garbage cans being collected out in the street. Do what you can to create great sleep hygiene, but also in your day, allow a buffer every day so you can have a pick-me-up 20-minute nap somewhere in your day that you can recover and do a brain cleanse and actually then show up for the rest of your day as a recharge. So, So I'm really big on sleep as number two. I'll go through the other one super quick. This is, this is something that I have to say, I feel like I'm nailing this one. I'm doing a little fist pump over here because I haven't woken up with an alarm in maybe a decade and um, very, very uh, tough on myself about going to bed and getting the right amount of sleep. And I do build in that buffer so that if, for example, I'm tossing and turning with stress and my normal wake up time is six, but I'm having a struggle getting to sleep. Um, if I wake up at 7 or 7.30, I'm still not late for my day. I always make sure that I st- give myself a buffer in the morning f- to start my day in case I'm just a little bit later or I need to still sleep because if I'm not rested, I'm not functioning properly. And and I know that. So, um, so I have to I just totally just agree with you on the sleep thing. It's absolutely massive. It's been the best thing I've personally done for myself is make sure that I'm getting enough. 
Yeah. And on a personal note, I figured this out about seven years ago. And the most profound thing for me was the feeling I had in the morning of being so much more grounded and centered and not being crabby mama bear, trying to rush my kids to go to school from a a, a place of me not having enough already. I thought, you are not leading this family very well. You need to take care of yourself so much better so that you can show up as in the way you want to show up for your family, for your partner, for your colleagues, for your community. So I love that, Candace, like fist pumping over here too, because it's 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 a profound shift. I, I was working with one client last year and, you know, he heard me talking about this in the beginning and it took three or four months of stopping revenge bedtime scrolling, for example, like the, I need me time and I'm going to take it now, darn it. Like this is for me. And I'm, but it would push the night, which would push the morning, which would mean the day wasn't great. And so I mentioned the jewel tone um, part of the diagram. And the idea is that everything you do in one area kind of affects another. So if you're short ch- changed on sleep, you might not make the best choices for food the next day. The science is there. You won't have as good a workout. You won't treat the people around you. You won't focus as well. These are all elements in the wheel, um, in the productivity table stakes um, elements. And everyone can either bring the others up. You know, when you exercise, you're thinking, oh man, I'm going to have salad and with avocado and healthy oil now. It's, I'm not going to go for the burger and fries after I've just worked out. So you're making me laugh because it's like the hangover, the hangover meal, right? right. It's the same with right. sleep. The hangover meal is let me go find my greasy uh, fix. Right. And if you're tired, you do ten, you're not thinking properly. You're going to reach for the sugar fix or the caffeine fix or the salty uh, snacks or right. Yeah. Right. So there's, are you spiraling up or you're spiraling down? Are you honoring self or are you sabotaging self ever so lightly? Or are you saying, you know what? I, I've decided, I've set an intention that so for fuel, where I talk about getting nutrients per bite as your goal to feed the, the mitochondria, the en- energy powerhouse in every cell. This is where my biology degree finally makes some sense, by the way. But it's, it's like, you know what, are you, are you being intentional around the 90, 95% of what you consume to be really fueling you well and allowing for some, maybe you have a, a pie or a piece of cake or a salty snack so often, but it's not your staple go-to. I didn't have time, so I'm reaching for the comfort thing. It's it's sort of marrying intention with now the knowledge around how we keep our attention up. Let's go on to those six other uh, uh, markers that we want to get to. We'll quickly go through those before we, we end the, today's podcast. Sure. So we had mindset and sleep. We have fuel, which I mentioned just briefly there, nutrients per bites, what you want to aim for. We have also uh, movement. So I talk about getting a daily dose. We were not designed to be sedentary, but our life has evolved to be incredibly sedentary. And uh, 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 Sanjay Gupta's book, um, Keeping Sharp, uh, is the first place I've seen a daily dose recommended where there's some science. 64 minutes is the, is the idea there that if you, if you incorporate that in, you're going to get enough movement. And he talks a lot about walking as being an an amazing way, like a big power walk. Um, We could talk a lot more about that, but I'll quickly move on to light. This is something that we don't pay enough attention to. For mood, for vitamin D, when we can get it, when the sun's high enough in the sky, uh, we need good, healthy light. And we also need to be protected now from unhealthy light. 
We've got a lot of light pollution. We've got LED lights. We've got blue and green light waves that sabotage our melatonin and kind of ruin our sleep. See how it's connected again. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we need to pay attention to our relationship to light and how that is in our day. From there, I moved to comfort. And that's talking about our ergonomic relationship to the, the, it's the human interaction with the tools in our environment, whether it's the knife and the chopping board you're using or the desk, is it sitting or is it standing? Is it... So all of the things that make us effective with our environment have to be suited to us and our human nature. I talk then about preserving focus, which is absolutely under threat. There are great books um, like Nereal's Hooked, which talks about the tech threat that's trying to sab our attention and indistractable his book all around becoming indistractable and staying on task. So cultivating greater attention is amazing. And the last one, but definitely not least connection. And that's something we felt um, the challenge to in the pandemic. And we've had to find ways to hold on to and create connection in different ways we need daily doses of connection too. And in the book by Together, by um, um, the Surgeon General in the US, um, he's written that, you know, aim for 15 minutes a day of quality connection where you're, you're being seen, you're seeing someone, that reciprocity, massive. And we've needed that. Loneliness has, has been off the charts before the pandemic. So those are eight different elements, which I'm sorry that it's a mother load of eight. I know that feels onerous, but once you understand your relationship and you construct and build your life, taking those into account, you can count on your energy and attention to be there. Yeah. And that sort of sustainable energy is what we're all striving for. And yeah. and so we're going to wrap up because I think one of the last, you have a last point we want to get to here. And I think often we're, we're playing offense with our life and you think we should be playing defense. And so could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, this is around once you know it's important and you know also how you operate and it's different than somebody else, then you can curate and you can ask for what you need. And so that's that, that's my biggest mission now is, especially for the highly sensitive group of people, which is one in five, uh, or anybody neurodiverse, people with ADHD, for example, it's, it's sort of knowing that you think productivity is personal, you think differently, you operate differently, knowing yourself, your values, your intentions, but knowing how your nervous system works so that you can say, oh, this is what I need, and then asking for it. Asking for it with love and grace, uh, great self-respect, and also respect for others and, and being able to say, no, you know what, I won't be able to go to that restaurant because the lights are crazy and the noise is atrocious. I can't actually have a conversation there. And I value, A, my speaking voice so I can do an interview tomorrow or do whatever I need to do. But I also value the quality of the interaction. So I'm out. You know, so what is it that you need and how can you set it up and invite others to set up experiences that invite your participation? I think we've got a great opportunity as a world to create and design spaces with sensitivity in mind so we can invite participation from more people. And I really, I think this last component 
feels to me personally like it might be my hardest thing to to do uh, because I come from, well, I am a woman and naturally I'm, you know, just always, <laughs> you know, apologizing, I feel like for myself, but I'm also a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So creating that boundary, and I always sit in awe of women that I meet who say to me, oh, I got to go. I got to go. It's time for me to do. And they'll name something very personal, nothing to do with business. And I think, mm-hmm. wow, you're incredible because I admire yeah. that so much. But it's, I find it very difficult because I feel like I'm letting people down yeah, or hurting feelings. Yeah. So that's one that's really a struggle for me. You're so not alone. And it's it's interesting. I was just at a, a speaking event in December and somebody came up to me and this was a four day event. I spoke on the third day and a, a person came up to me on the fourth day and said, I have to talk to you. I have to tell, I have to tell you, you showed up as unapologetically you from the moment you were here. And, and on day four, when somebody else was speaking, I interrupted the talk and had the microphone fixed because it was, it was on a Ron radio frequency and all the way through. I'm like, yo, we need to fix this for the speaker, for the audience, for everybody. Right. So she'd seen this and, and uh, she said, you know what, seeing what you did and I think observing that the consequences, the world didn't fall apart. The actual experience got better for everyone. She said, I'm going to speak up for myself now. And so I've realized, you know, in the, in the highly sensitive space, ADHD um, women, I've worked with a lot of people who they have an inkling about what they want, but the voice isn't there to say, this, it'll work for me really well if we can do this. So I, I remember meeting somebody at, at a, a party recently, and we actually got into a discussion about work. And she said, oh, my gosh, my boss is always interrupting me, cutting me off and taking credit for my work. And it's fine. I'm retiring soon. Her husband looks over and says, it's not fine. She complains about this every day. This is not fine. And so we had an impromptu um, exercise, which I'll offer out to listeners as First of all, what would you say if you could say anything and it didn't matter who would hear? Get that emotion, honor it, let it out. Shut up. I didn't have, I had something else to say, right? Let's honor that's the feeling. How do we soften that now? How can we soften that to say, I had something else to say and, and ask for that? So we danced in conversation for, I kid you not, less than a minute And in less than a minute of dancing in discomfort around that boundary, around that request for more time, what we netted to, what she netted to, because this is about what would work for her, I'm going to let my boss finish her thought. And then I'm just going to say, I have, I had something else to add. And I said, you know, do you think she would be, could be angry at that? Nope. Because the emotion wasn't there. It was simple. I have something else to add. But doing that again and and again will hopefully invite the other person to think, oh, I didn't let them finish. I didn't let them finish. And so I, I'm really excited to, to be working with people on the journey, whether it's awareness, whether it's acknowledgement, whether it's belief in self-worth, and whether or if it's practicing asking for what you need or going beyond that to advocate and be an ally and be a leader and culture shaper, space designer to really create with sensitivity in mind and really invite everyone. I call it, I, I, I say everyone needs a happy space. That's going to be the, um, 
the name of my podcast and community. It's where I want people to be able to be in a happy space. And either you curate it or you design it for others. And there's such huge opportunity in that. Well, this has been a happy space today. Um, you're a delight, an absolute delight. I, we have been, we have known each other in the digital space uh, for a long time, but have actually never connected. And despite all of the hurdles getting this on today, <laughs> people have no idea what we went through to actually get this podcast going today. Um, it's been wonderful. And I'm so glad you joined me. I want people to be able to find you because we just briefly were able to touch on so much of what you go into with people. So, um, share where people can connect with you and find out more and, and potentially work with you. Oh, thanks so much. I'm going to share two things. I'm going to share my website, which is the easiest thing to remember. ClaireKumar.com. Claire, I have no third eye. So it's C-L-A-R-E. Kumar as in Harold and Kumar. So ClaireKumar.com. But for anybody who recognize they might be highly sensitive or it's, it's ADHD, it's PTSD, it's traumatic brain injury. There's a lot of situational sensitivities. It's hangovers too. Um, you might be, <laughs> right? You're sensitive. If you've had a hangover, you get this. The Happy Space Pod, happyspacepod.com is a place to go for supportive, positive, encouraging, spiraling up community to celebrate the strengths that we all have and to deal with the struggles in a really constructive, positive way. So that's a great place to join. No charge there. Currently, it's a Facebook uh, group and so easy to be a part of and to be part of a just an, uh, a happy space. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Well, we all need more of that. So Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you here. Thanks so much, Candice. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.